This is a Liberty Baptist Church sermon podcast. LBC is pastored by Jordan Zeke and exists to reach the lost, disciple the saved, and send the called. For more information on our church, please check out our website at lbcspokane.com. We hope that you are encouraged by today's sermon and that it draws you closer to God. We are talking today about the birth of Jesus. And so if you'd like to turn your Bibles, we're going to read out of Luke chapter 2. I know this was a surprise to everybody. I'm sure that we are in this passage today. But we are going to be reading Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20 today. And we're going to be talking about one of my favorite sections and one of my favorite uh, topics on the birth of Jesus. And we will get to that in just a moment. But if you are in Luke chapter 2, we're going to start reading verses 1 through 20 and break it down a little bit, all right? Starting verse 1, it says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee in the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told by them of the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Let's pray before we jump into this, all right? Dear Lord, thank you for today and just thank you for this glorious day for us to celebrate your birth and to celebrate the birth of Christ. And just thank you for allowing us to all be here and just to be present and just help us to enjoy today and have a good service and help tomorrow just as families gather and friends gather to celebrate your birth, Lord. And we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to be talking about Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, but there's a specific topic within this and within these verses that I want to focus on, and that's simply the characters in the birth of Jesus. Who was there? What happened? Why were they there? And what, what were the thoughts that they had? 
So today I want to talk about the characters in the birth, starting with simply Mary and Joseph. What did Mary and Joseph have to do do with Jesus' birth? Well, it's pretty plain and simple. It's Jesus' parents. If you've been here the past couple weeks, we've been talking about Luke chapter 1 and the conversation that Mary had with Gabriel and the announcement of Jesus, as well as the, the praising that Mary gave when she found out about Jesus and she was talking with her cousin. And then we also talked last week about Zechariah and his praise and his glory that he was giving to God during this time. So we know that we've looked these past couple weeks about Mary's reaction to what the announcement of Jesus told and what, what was to come. But I want to take a second just to look at Joseph's reaction. We see in Matthew 1, 20 through 21, this is after Mary had told Joseph about Jesus coming and about her being pregnant, even though she was a virgin. And this is what it says in Matthew 20, verses 20 through 21. It says, Joseph, thou son of... Oh, not there yet. Sorry. I had different verses to read. It says, uh, Now the birth of Christ was on the wise that when uh, Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with the child. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. So Joseph, he, he was concerned because Mary had said, hey, I have a child, I'm, I'm pregnant, and there is no father. Like, I, I'm still a virgin, there's no father. It's because the Holy Spirit came to me. And he kind of just doubts this. He kind of, he doesn't feel very right about it. And it says in verse, or Matthew 1, 19 says, Joseph, then being her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. So it was, he was planning on divorcing his wife because they didn't know each other, because she was pregnant and they had never been together. And so he didn't really believe this. But now we'll read these verses. This is then all of a sudden a conversation when Joseph was sleeping, an angel came to him and he said this. He said, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. So Joseph, he's kind of doubting this story that Mary has, but then all of a sudden an angel comes to him and he says, Joseph, don't be afraid to marry Mary. Don't be afraid of this because she's telling the truth. The child she has is from the Holy Ghost. He says that he shall save his people from their sins. He tells them, this is what your son's going to do. This is his ultimate goal, is to save people from their sins. So that's Joseph's, Joseph's encounter with an angel, but then we can also look at Mary's encounter with an angel. It says in Luke 1, 31 through 33, and be, uh, this is an angel talking to Mary, Gabriel talking to Mary. It says, Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son. That thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there shall be no end. So both of these conversations between Mary and Joseph and these angels is simply saying, hey, you're going to have a son. His name's going to be Jesus, and here's his role. Here's what's going to happen. He's going to save people from their sins. He's going to take the throne of Jacob. His kingdom's not going to end. It's going to be forever. So Mary and Joseph in this story, they understood 
the purpose of Jesus' birth. They understood why Jesus was coming. They understood why Jesus was to be born. So we know that in this story that they both anticipated the coming of their miracle child. Because if an angel tells you, hey, you're about to have a son and he's going to be amazing, he's going to be great, here's this whole thing that he's going to do, that's going to get you, that's going to get you ready. They're excited for this. And so we know that in this story, that's, that's kind of where they're sitting at. That's their, that's their point and what's going on with them. But now let's look at what the shepherds had to do with this. Why were the shepherds there? Well, if you think about shepherds, you might not know this, but shepherds, society viewed them as simply unintelligent, unclean, and outcasts. They weren't, they weren't, they weren't schooled. These were people who just sat with their sheep seven days a week, and that was their job. They didn't need to know things. They didn't need to be educated. They didn't need to have this whole background. And so they were thought of as unintelligent. But because of their job having to be with the sheep continually for seven days a week, that means that they had to work on the Sabbath. So people thought of them as unclean, these people who weren't actually doing what God wanted them to. And they also thought of them as just simply outcasts. They don't, they don't hang out with us. They're just with the sheep. They're just sitting there. They're just hanging out. Now, we know that shepherds have a great role in this and that we think of God as our shepherd because shepherds is a great way to look at it. But during this time, this was thought of as, yeah, it's an okay job, it's needed, it's necessary, but they're not thought of as the most highly, it's not something people really want to do necessarily, because they're thought of as unintelligent, unclean, and outcasts. However, we also know that Jesus came for those of low degree and those who, dis- who society despised. Luke one fifty two says, Hath he, or he hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. This is Mary when she's giving God praise and giving and thanking and saying, hey, my son, this is what he's going to do. Christ has brought down the mighty from their seats and he's going to exalt them of low degree. Not only that, but 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 28 says this, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base the things of the world and the things which are despised, God hath chosen, yea, the things which are not to bring the not things that are. So that's simply saying that Christ came and God chose those of low degree to humble those of high degree, to be be the people who were humble. Because if you you have only ever been in in this big place and you've only ever been a king, you've only ever been mighty, then you don't know what it means to be humble. You don't know what it means to have to work for what you've got. You don't know what it means to do all these different things. And so he's saying, that he's using those who are humble to teach those who are prideful. So I believe that's why the the shepherds were taught, that's why they were told of Christ before anybody else was. We can look at at their their conversation between the angels. In in Luke 1.10 it says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David 
a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The shepherds may not have been thought of high praise, of, of high you know, societal norms, but they were still the first people that the angels proclaimed to. They were awake during this time. They're watching their sheep. They were unsuspecting, and all of a sudden, a bunch of angels were there, and they were simply singing, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So the role of Mary and Joseph is to, to bring the child, and they knew what their child was going to come, but these lowly shepherds, these people who others didn't think were very significant, were told, hey, there's a Savior that was born tonight. Go see him. Go find him. You're going to find him because he's a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So they went, and they saw that what they were told was true. And so they went and started telling people. They started saying, hey, Listen, this is, what, this is what we were told. This is what we saw. And so that was their role, was to be the insignificant people that people thought probably wouldn't have any role in the coming of a king, but that they're the ones who got to proclaim to everybody that Christ was here. So we looked at Mary and Joseph's role. We've looked at the shepherd's role, but let's look at the angel's role. Just simply, what, what do they have to do, do with it? Why did they even come? Well, they all knew that Christ was going to have a specific role on this earth. They knew that Christ's birth and his role in this world was to have certain impact on everybody. Luke 2.11 says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. They understood that Christ was to be the Savior. Not only that, but in Luke 2.14, it says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men, meaning this is sent from God, this is God, and he's here to bring peace to the earth. They're saying, hey, listen, this is why he's here. This is what is happening. A Savior's here. Praise God for giving us this Savior. Because that's what angels are. They're sent from God to give a certain message. Just as, those, uh, just as those angels that were sent to Mary and Joseph were giving the message of Christ, these angels were given the message to these shepherds of saying, hey, there's an important birth happening, and you guys should know about it. We've looked at Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the angels, and that's all in Luke chapter 2. But I also want to take a second and look at some people that you may have known is the wise men. Now, these men didn't come. I know in, the, in, our, in our nativity scenes, they're here immediately, and they're here for the birth of Christ. But in reality, they came a couple of years after. But that's all right, because they still have a role to play in this. For the, for the wise men, I want to turn to Matthew chapter 2, if you would. I won't take too long in this, but I want to read these verses of the visit of the wise men. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1, I wasn't going to read it all, but I will. It says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all of the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, 
For thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not in the least among the princes of Judah, but out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. So we see that the reason the wise men came is simply because they understood who Christ was going to be. Matthew 2, 2, they said, Where is he that is born the king? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. These wise men understood who Christ was and what he was going to become. They understood who he was and the role that he was going to play. They said, where is the king? The king of the Jews, we saw his star, we, we came to worship him. But not only that, they, when they were asked and they were pushed a little bit of, hey, where, where's he at? What, what's going on? Because King Herod, we'll get to him in a second, he was a little precautious. He was scared. He was anxious because these people just said, hey, there's a new king and it's not you, but we came to worship him. So tell us where he is. And he says, well, well you guys tell me where he is. So in Matthew 5, 6, they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. This is, this is a prophecy that was given in Micah 5, 2, that says, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, thou... Er, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that to be the ruler in Israel. So they said, hey, we know that we're, we're, we're wise men, we, we're magi, we understand the scriptures, and we believe that this prophecy in Micah that our prophet had told us, that's coming true right now. That we have come to, to praise and to give glory and to worship the coming king, because that's what it said. That's what the scripture says. It says there's going to be a king born in Bethlehem. So they said, we, that's what we've come for. We understand the role he's going to have. We understand what is going to take place. And so we've come for that. So after a little bit of a back and forth between them and King Herod, they set off on their way. And in Matthew 2.11, it says this, when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Their role during all of this is to understand who Christ was, who he was to become, why he was even coming. Because in their mind, this is, this is a king. This is somebody who's going to take over the authority, that has the authority to take the throne. Because that's what the angel has said. He said he's going to be the king of Israel. He's going to be the king of the house of Jacob. And so these, these wise men are saying, hey, we're trying to find him. We're trying to find this Christ. We're trying to find this king. And so they find him and they glorify him and they worship him and they give him gifts because they understand who he's going to be. But we've looked at Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the angels and the wise men, but the last character that I want to look at today is King Herod. Because we looked at how great people, how these people knew how amazing Christ was going to be and how, how fantastic this birth was for them. 
But King Herod had a different interpretation of what this birth was to be. If we see in Matthew 2, 3, with this conversation of the wise men, it says, when Herod, the king, had heard these things, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. He was worried that Christ came to take his throne. Because if you're king, if you're, the, if you're the person in control, you have all the authority, and all of a sudden some wise men come to you and they say, hey, we've come to, we've come to glorify the king. We've come to do that. He's like, yeah, yeah talk to me. I'm, I'm here. No, we came for the king of the Jews, the actual king, the king that, that the scriptures has talked about, the, the king that, that is to take the throne. That's who we've come, not for you, but for him. That would be, that'd be, that'd make you worried. And so King Herod was worried that Christ was going to take his throne. We even see that in Matthew 2, 8. He says, and he sent them to Bethlehem, being the wise men. And he said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when you found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. He's trying to trick the wise men. He's trying to say, hey, I'm so excited. Yeah, we've all, we all want to glorify the king, right? You go find him, come back to me, you tell me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come over there also, and we're going we're gonna to worship him together. That's not what he wanted to do. He didn't want to do that at all. It even says, as, as the wise men go and they give the gifts, and they, they give these things, that says in Matthew 2.13, and when they had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream. Second conversation that Joseph has with an angel, it says, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Herod's jealous. Herod's upset. Herod's, Herod's anxious. He's, he's worried that this king of the Jews is going to take his throne. So an angel of the Lord comes to, um, comes to Joseph and he says, hey, flee to Egypt until I tell you it's safe because Herod wants to kill him. We even see that Herod takes such drastic measures that in Matthew 2.16 it says, then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. King Herod was so upset, so despised, he was so anxious about him losing his power that he went and he killed every child that was two and under so that way he could try and kill the king. He could try and kill Christ before Christ even took his throne. King Herod had the complete opposite reaction of everybody else. Mary and Joseph, they were happy. They were excited. They knew that Christ had this huge role to play. The, the shepherds, they were told by the angels, man, there's a Savior. There's, there's Christ is born. And, and so they were so excited. They went and they glorified. And then they went and told people. The angels came and they said, glory to God in the highest. Even the wise men said, hey, we've come to worship the king of the Jews. But Herod said, no, I, I, I want to worship him too. But really, he just wanted him dead. Every single person in this story had a role to play. Every single person knew what Christ was to become. That's the bottom line of today, is that simply every character in this story knew the significance of Jesus' birth. 
Every single person had a role in this and knew who Christ was to be. And that's simply that Jesus was to be king, he was to be savior, and he was to be God with us. He was to be king because he was told that he's going to be the king over the house of Jacob and his kingdom's going to never end. He was king because the the scriptures had said there's going to be in Bethlehem a child who was born king of the Jews. We know that Christ is king. We talked about it a little bit these last couple weeks, but with people during this time, they expected Christ to come and to just take over. They expected him to come to take the throne and to sit on the throne forever. So that way King Herod couldn't be up there. That way other emperors couldn't be up there. That way no tyranny could happen in their kingdom. But we know, looking back at the scriptures, looking back at Christ's life, that's not what he came for. He came, yes, to set men free. Yes, to take authority and to allow others to rule. But he came to be a king in a different way. He came to, because he had the, goal, the authority, he came to be king of everybody. He came to be the one who would take control, but not in the physical sense, not to sit on the throne, but to have the authority that we would all listen to him, that we would all accept him. He was first to be king, then to be savior. That's what the angel said. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That's what it says. Everybody in in this story knew that Christ was going to be king. They thought he was going to be king in a different way. But we know that he became became king through his death. But they also knew that he'd be a Savior. That aligns very closely with their thought of him being king. They were going to save him. They were going to you know, take away all of the tyranny, all of the authority that these kingdoms had, and he was just going to rule over everybody. And that's how they thought they were going to be saved. But we, looking back, understand that Christ came to save us from our sins, to save not our momentary lives, not our, our physical lives, but to save our spiritual lives, to be the king of our hearts to be the king who sits at the right hand of the throne of God. These people understood that Christ would be king and that he would be savior, but they thought of it the wrong way. They thought of it as simply he's going to come and he's going to free us and we're not going to be under the, under the law anymore and we're not going to be under all these different things, which is true, but not in the way that they thought. And we also know that Christ was to be God with us. God in the flesh, 100% man, 100% God. We've been talking about this in the, in the life of Christ, and we even just finished in our Sunday school three weeks about Christ specifically, or four weeks about Christ being God and how him being God gave him the authority to be king. It gave him the authority to be savior. It gave him authority to now be at the right hand of the throne of God, and to be the person that defends us, the person that says, no, they accepted me, or the person that says, go away, I never knew you. 
Today, as we celebrate Christ's birth, I simply want us to realize that Christ did come to be all of these things. He came to be king, he came to be savior, and he came to be God with us. But it's because of his birth that we can even celebrate the rest of his life. It had to have started somewhere, and because of these characters, because of the people that understood the role and the impact that he would have on the world, they protected him. They made, they made sure he was praised. But really, a birth means nothing without the death. We celebrate Christ's birth today because he came to live, but he came to die and live again. Today, if you, if you have not accepted Christ and you don't understand what it means for Christ to live a sinless life and then to die on a cross for our sins and rise again after three days so that way we could be saved if we believe in him, then come talk to me. Talk to somebody about this because it's important. It's important for us to, yes, understand that we celebrate Christ's birth, but the whole reason we even know that Christ was born is because we understand that he came for a purpose. And that was to be the king of our life. That was to be the savior who could take away our sins. That was to have the authority by being God with us to even be able to do any of it. So I want to thank everybody for, for coming to, to our Christmas Eve service today. But I want to ask you, it's important for us to remember the birth of Christ, but do you remember the death of Christ? Do you remember the important role that he had to play? Every character that we, we referenced, that we talked about, understood who Christ was to be. But do you understand who Christ was? They were looking at a future. We're looking at the past. We're looking at what he came to do. And that was to die on a cross for our sins and to rise again so that we could live with him forever. If you haven't accepted Christ today, then, then, then I want to talk to you. I want to be able to walk you through it to help you understand this. But if you have, then, then I, I want to glorify God with you. That that is what today is about. It's about glorifying God and glorifying Christ for even being born because he had to start somewhere. And so again, I want to thank everybody for coming to our Christmas Eve service today and um, as you as you leave, we're gonna have we're gonna pray, and then we'll have one more song to sing, and it'll be a fun song. And then as you leave today, uh, just to say Merry Christmas from my wife and I, as well as from Liberty. We made some some cookies. If they're not very good, I made them. If they're delicious, Sherry made them. So we got some cookies, and we've got some hot chocolate out there. So just on your way out, if you if you want to stay for a bit, talk, then that's great. If not. Grab some cookies and some hot cocoa and just enjoy a great Christmas Eve and then enjoy a great Christmas tomorrow, all right? So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for today. And again, thank you for the birth of your son. Thank you for Christ being born. Thank you for, for him coming and living and dying on a cross for us. Thank you for the characters that we looked at in this story and their, their understanding of who Christ would be, whether it's a good reaction or a bad reaction. We thank you for it anyways. So we thank you for Christ, we thank you for his birth, and we thank you for his death, his burial, and his resurrection. But we thank you for sending him. We love you and help us to be safe on this Christmas Eve and Christmas morning tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen.